Ciao. You're listening to Ed Up Insights, where you'll get my take on higher education. I'm Bill Pepicello, former president of University of Phoenix and higher ed vagabond. So let's get started. Well, podcastees, the most recent National Student Clearinghouse Research Center enrollment figures from the spring of 2023 are out. And they show an interesting picture of how higher education looks coming out of the pandemic. So what I want to do is uh, look at some of the numbers, ask some questions about them, and then provide some expert perspective on everything. Uh, not my perspective, but an expert's perspective, uh, I said. But in any event, the good news is that some of the losses that uh, we saw throughout the coronavirus uh, pandemic seem to be stabilizing. But a closer look at the data shows that stabilization is the result of what I think are some complex and puzzling trends that uh, indicate changes in what students want and how they're going about getting what they want. And we'll see that one important trend, in addition to the ones that um, this clearinghouse uh, show us, isn't new or isn't due to COVID, at least according to the expert that I'm going to talk about. So let's see what's going on. One interesting and encouraging change is that there seems to be an influx of dual enrollment students who take community college classes while they're in high school. Now, this means, I hope, that students and their parents are thinking about post-secondary education early on. On the other hand, it may mean that some of the stabilization, at least in the community college sector, uh, may be artificial. Or it may message a sea change in the making. So let's take a look at some of the data and trends and ask some questions. Now, overall, the higher education sector has experienced enrollment losses for more than a decade, as we know, and this uh, trend was exacerbated by the pandemic. But those tens, uh, those declines seem to be slowing with the spring 2023 uh, numbers only bringing a 0.5% year-over-year enrollment loss compared to 3.1 loss in 2022 uh, over the prior year. So things are not as bad as previously, but they're still not going in the uh, right direction. Or as some of us say, hey, we don't suck as bad as we used to. Now, community college enrollment, we're told in these figures, rose 0.5% uh, during 2023, thanks largely to that dual enrollment uh, increase that I noted. Four-year uh, four for-profit colleges also continue to see gains with in, uh, enrollment up uh, a little over 1%, um, but four-year public and private nonprofits still showed you know, losses uh, around 1%. So those are some trends. Now, here's an important trend. So pay attention. The past three years have uh, given us an interesting finding. Undergraduates appear increasingly interested in shorter term credentials. And this seemed to be especially true in the spring of 2023 when undergraduate types, other than associate and bachelor's degree seeking students, rose almost 5% compared to the year before. So, this is the category that includes certificates, teacher preparation, and other non credential programs. 
So this could be huge. Now, this rising interest in shorter term credentials could be part of uh, what one analysis says is a multi-decade trend. Well, the number of post-secondary certificates awarded by public colleges has risen at a steady clip since 1995, according to an analysis from New America. And we're just noticing this trend now. What's up with that? Well, and let's also look at who's going back. Non-traditional students, typically thought of those uh, who are older than 24, were the only age group who saw enrollment increases in 2021. But now we've are told there are two consecutive years of decline with a 5% loss in spring of 2022 and over 3% decrease in spring of 2023. Why, we might ask. I don't hear any answers out there, and I ain't got a good one either. Traditional students, on the other hand, seem to have stabilized from declines earlier uh, in the health crisis with a 0.3% increase, actually, in 2023. And at the same time, the number of younger students, who are largely those dual enrollment students, rose by 8%. So what's the takeaway from those two figures? I don't know. It's not very clear to me. As the community colleges, we're told that community college enrollment has been declining for more than a decade with rising headcounts of students under 18, partially offsetting those losses. What does that mean exactly? But wait a minute, we're also told that community college enrollments are up. This is all very puzzling. There seem to be trends within trends and frankly, no comprendo. So what does all this mean? Who knows? What is clear is that things seem to be in flux and that students are enrolling in different patterns than previously. Now, the key for higher ed then is to analyze these trends and subtrends and do something. For instance, what's up with older students? What, what, what does that trend tell us? Higher ed is gonna have to learn to predict what dual enrollment students are looking for after high school. Are they looking for community college? Are they looking for university or both or neither? And if neither, what? Then we need to ask what sort of short-term credentials do students of all ages want? What is the content they're looking for? And where are they going for them? And what is the profile of students who are enrolling in these various options? Is it the credentials, associate, uh, associate degrees, bachelors, or other types of training? Um, these are all questions that higher ed needs to do an analysis on these trends for and see if there are, are any answers. What I would think is that these latest statistics are a call to arms for higher education or a warning, or at least pieces of a puzzle that need to be pieced together to see what the big picture looks like. Now, Dr. Jenny Darrock, and apologies if I have mispronounced that name, Dr. Jenny Darak, who's the Dean of the Farmer School of Business at Miami University in Ohio, recently provided some context for this, as well as what I think is a 
terrific lens for trying to figure out what's going on. And I think her observations are spot on, as you'll see as we go on. Now, she notes that COVID undoubtedly has impacted students' lives in ways that we probably don't fully understand yet. And that's true for everybody everywhere. And the clearinghouse numbers, I think, underscore this. And as I have noted elsewhere, the pandemic accelerated the development of online and hybrid modalities, which is a good thing because it helps bring higher education into the 21st century. But we need to get past leaning on the pandemic to excuse higher education's not paying attention to what else is going on. Specifically, students are changing how they interact with education. Now, to that point, Jenny raises a really important issue, that of student engagement. Now, she opines that students are now less engaged than previously, and with that we are quick to blame the pandemic for this trend. I think both of those things are probably true. But let's give her the decline in engagement point. Fair enough. And let's also give her the point that the easy answer is the point to the pandemic. And anecdotally, we can say that negative experiences in high school and post-secondary education have resulted in students being less prepared for college. And the pandemic can also be blamed for mental health issues reported by students as they struggle to cope with higher ed and life in general. Well, maybe, or maybe we're just paying attention and looking more closely at things that were already there. Now, without minimizing the effect of COVID on all this, Dr. Darek suggests that it may be useful to reframe the whole narrative around student engagement by thinking about the profile of today's students, which she terms knowledge workers. In other words, what she's saying is the students have changed. Higher ed needs to acknowledge this and adapt. My perspective is that the pandemic may have highlighted these changes, but that we need to move past excuses and on to solutions. Now, Jenny defines a knowledge worker as a professional who uses their expertise and skills to create, analyze, or distribute information uh, or knowledge. Now, by this definition, she claims students are knowledge workers. They actively engage in acquiring knowledge, developing critical thinking skills. Uh, they conduct research and analyze data to solve complex problems and apply them to what they learn. No argument from me here, or as she points out, from Peter Drucker, who saw a lot of this back in 1959, which is the previous century for you youngsters out there. But here's where she gets to the heart of the matter. And I apologize for, for so much uh, plagiarism and direct quoting Dr. Dark, but you have nailed the central issue that a lot of higher ed has either missed or ignored. Anyway, she points out that the current students, part of Generation Z, are digital natives who have grown up in what she calls an always-on technological environment. That is, they're plugged in all the time. These students are entrepreneurial, they're independent, they're resourceful, they can be self-sufficient, 
and willing to use technology to find solutions. In short, they are what she calls digitally evolved. Easy for me to say, digitally involved. What a great term. But in that regard, they're knowledge workers. Students go to college and they wanna develop expertise in a field and they mostly seek knowledge intensive jobs. Bingo, she's getting at something here. Members of Gen Z are used to personalized experiences and they expect uh, brands out there to know them. Think Amazon. Every time you log on, you get a little note from Amazon or a, an ad pops up about something that you know about and probably like. The Gen Zers expect to provide input to their own experience. It's interactive for them. In fact, some students are asking why they can't structure their own learning journey. And some forward-thinking organizations like Credential Engine are helping them to do that. Now, this may well be leading students to question the value of many subjects that they see in their core curriculum. And this may lead to their uh, doubting the value of a college degree in general. So, you know, members of Gen Z are constantly exposed to multimedia elements, images, videos, and audios as they engage in various apps and, and interactive games. And it's true not just for them, but for a lot of us, but it's more impactful for them. Now, as a consequence, Gen Zers expect that their education experience will use technology to make the learning process more engaging and effective. So students, like knowledge workers already in the workforce, are outcome focused. Students engage with activities that they believe will help them achieve their goals. And if the activity is not seen as directly related to achieving that goal, the student tends to disengage. Now, put this in the context of higher education, where the norm is for institutions and organizations to tell students, we know what's good for you. Just do what we tell you. And when you come out the other end, everything will be okay. And the Gen Zers click off and disengage. So the answer to declining student engagement and how that affects some of the, the trends we looked at is not to blame COVID and the impact it had on our students as learners, but instead to recognize that today's students engage differently. And you know what? They did so before the pandemic just as well, just as much. It's just now that we're noticing this. The pandemic is only a new element, an accelerant to what was already going on. The follow-up question is, what is the effect of all of this on the trends identified by the clearinghouse? Namely, how, is, how does engagement affect who is going back for more education, where they're going, and importantly, why they're going there? So, there's a lot of questions for you, and um, maybe uh, as a homework assignment, you can write an essay on some of this, or not.
in any event, with that, I'm going to invite you to listen to the next exciting episode. Ciao.